0: 1 Corinthians, and I've entitled the message, Freedom to Control Yourself, always reminding ourselves that bringing all things into obedience to Christ, being godly, being holy, being Christ-like, keeping the law of God, any way you want to put some of these things, it's never seen in a negative light in Scripture, because how can serving the Lord be uh, difficult or or hard or uh, discouraging, whatever. It's a joy to obey the Lord. Now, it can be difficult in that we have to control our flesh. We've got to control our thinking. We've got to learn to think correctly, right? But it is a good thing. So, I've entitled to freedom to control yourself. In Christ, having broken the power of canceled sin, I am free now not to just control, to, continue in sin but now to serve the Lord instead right so that's what we want to see Paul is going to has a unique way of bringing that out I think today last week we saw that for Paul his life was not haphazardly he's not live haphazardly he thought through how he lived with the goal of reaching people with the gospel. And of course, we know this whole section, uh, chapters uh, 9 or 8 through 10, are about giving up our freedoms, our things that are okay in some cases, if it means edifying God's people, if it will help the gospel. So we see Paul here explaining how that has worked in his life. He had no problem giving up legitimate things if it helped and learned to get along with all types of people as well. He, He. he figured out way. Again, he's not haphazard the way he's living. What can I do with this friend of mine, With these people I know, what can I do to uh, get in good with them, not in a compromising way, but in a way that I can reach him for Christ? Maybe eating something they eat or involved with a, a, something they're interested in that I maybe don't care that much about, or do I need to give up something that might offend, be offensive to them there's nothing wrong with it, but I don't want, I want it to reach them. And so that's kind of what he's been talking about here today, and we'll continue into chapter 10. And he also spoke to the motivation of those in the ministry, and woe to anyone who refuses to preach when they could. But God has called you, and in one sense he's called all of us to be a witness for Christ. Woe to us if we don't take that seriously, but woe to me if I would not Proclaim the gospel when I had the opportunity to as well. And then we, uh, one thing we referred to, I thought Piper summed up all this very well, John Piper, when he says, in freedom, for love's sake, you try to overcome unnecessary, remember unnecessary, alienating differences that cut you off from unbelievers. In freedom, for love's sake, you eat dinner together the way they eat dinner. In freedom for love's sake, you dress pretty much like the middle class American natives. Again, he's not referring that to Indians or whatever. But he's talking about just, you just, you live in such a way as not to, uh, defend or draw attention to yourself in some weird way that doesn't make any sense, that doesn't matter. In freedom for love's sake, you get into the politics and the sports and their businesses. And all the while, you keep a vigilant uh, watch over your heart to see if you are in the law of Christ, or that you are obeying the law of Christ. And we have talked at length of what the law of Christ is, so I'm going go into all that now. Well, today we have an illustration. Paul is no uh, stranger to illustrations, and he finishes this section by illustrating what he has been saying in the last two chapters. He knows that to say No, to legitimate things for the sake of others, or to be humble in the face of contention is no easy task, and many, uh, you know, many times, and so he tells us plainly that the answer is not to give up or disobey the Lord, but to exercise some discipline. There are some things that are difficult to do, you know for telling the way I live or speak around certain people in certain ways or whatever. Getting involved in some interests of theirs. I don't really care that much about them, You know, for instance. <laughs> it's, first of all, it's not being hypocritical. If you do it because you love them, you want to to, to befriend them in some way. But it's not easy. Right? So it takes discipline a lot. Life is part of uh, it's, it's a, a, to be lived in any meaningful way. You've got to learn discipline. It's important that we teach our children they can't have everything that they want and that it's important that they don't have everything that they want because they understand how to deal with disappointment, right? And a lot of kids, well, uh, it's, it's so obvious that kids today, a lot of them, grow up and they don't know how to be told no. They don't, and they certainly don't know how to tell themselves no. Them. But this is what Paul is saying. The Christian life is one of telling myself no when it is necessary. Christ isn't important, then there's no way someone is going to control himself for him's sake. And so uh, certainly we have to obey the Lord. We have to love the Lord or none of this is going to be it's, it's all going to be meaningless. We're assuming that Christ means enough to you and the souls of men mean enough to you that you're willing to do this to begin with. And so in verse 23, which really kind of goes along with the last section, but I, I think it kind of He says up front here that the gospel and all that that addresses is important enough to him to put himself through intense suffering. And when we think of some of the lesser things that we gladly suffer for, I mean, let's let's just read verse 23. I do all for the sake of the gospel. That is, I endure uh, all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. In other words, to see people grow in the Lord, or to become saved. And if you think about what some people will do, and this is part of Paul's illustration, in order to gain a goal, whether it be uh, some sports goal, or some uh, life's calling, some profession that they want, something that they want, they're willing to suffer, to, to do without for lesser things, how much more than the cause of Christ and the kingdom of God. And so in verse 24, we find in this illustration, in this passage here, an illustration, an illustration, an exhortation, and an application. And I'll kind of sum up Paul's words today. The illustration is that of running a race. The exhortation is that we're not just running, but there's a certain way that the race is to be run. Something I think a lot of Christians struggle here because they think that once I'm saved, then it really doesn't matter after that. You no, know, you've been saved for a purpose, to run a certain way, to live a certain way. And then the application is that this is going to take discipline. There's a proper way to run. So there's a there's a way to run. But the expectation is that we are to up, obtain, we're running to obtain a, a goal. And the application is that that's going to take discipline. Right? Those are of the three things we're going to look at here. And the illustration is an athletic event in which there is a reward. It's an illustration of the Christian life. Now, obviously when we read this, and I'll just say up front, when Paul says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? We immediately understand that we're not to take this as a complete illustration of the Christian life because we're not racing against each other. There's not only one Christian going to get a prize, right? We're all going to get it if we're running properly. So that's not the point of the illustration. The, the point of the illustration primarily is going to be running the proper way. So just to keep that in mind and don't get caught up in the illustration. The Greeks, and by this time the Romans, were easily as sports crazy as our culture is, if not more. And so he uses an illustration everyone would immediately be able to identify with. Um, And this crosses over to any pursuit we might have, and and, and the time and energy we're willing to put into it. In other words, discipline has great application in every area of our life. But the two big sporting events to the Corinthians would have been the Olympic Games, uh, the ancient Olympic Games, and the Isthmus Games. Corinth was located on the Isthmus. And so the Isthmus Games were, uh, Games were held in foreign, right there in that area. And, uh, they were kind of a lesser than the Olympics. Um, and, 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 of course, again, the Greeks, if you know anything about ancient Greece and the Spartans, you know how you have to, you know, say something Spartan, about something that's very bare bones. The Spartans were very warlike, because they were, took their physical, physical, uh, conditioning extremely seriously and they, they they were very about discipline and about hardship and about coming strong. And so uh, this was something that was still to some degree going on. At the age of seven, all children were introduced to athletics. This was not just games, but exercise and development of the body and in particular, they did this for the boys so that they might become uh, good Soldiers. The girls weren't left out. They, all too, were expected to train and to be, be healthy so that when they got married, they would have uh, boys who would go to be good soldiers. So it was all kind of geared towards that. Um, another goal important to them was that you would have a lovely body, and that house a lovely soul. You would have a healthy body. And in this day, there was no thought of everyone getting a ribbon. You know, you didn't have participation trophies back Only winners. But all this wasn't so much for fun, but of course to reach a goal. They had a purpose of mind. One writer says of, the, of that day, when he lived back then, that the masses only demanded two things of the politicians. Now listen to this because it's, it's not, it's very sad. Think about it. They demanded only two things of the politicians bread and games. Give me what I need to live and help me to be uh sidetracked, to abused, entertained. I think a lot of people in this country that's all they really care about. By day they stood around idle, by night they watched sports, he says. That that's what they that's what our culture does, he says. So a small it's a small wonder that as we see what's going on in our culture that we fear the same end of cultures that, that, that uh, came upon cultures before us doing the same thing. Well, anyway, races are not one automatic. That's one of the things Paul is saying here, that it takes discipline. It takes a goal. It takes to understand what's going on around you. The athlete who wins outperforms his fellow athletes all want to win, but the ones who are going to win, and in this case, again, because we're not talking about just one winning, but we're talking about everyone doing well, um, if if you want to win, if you want to do well, you're going to have to do what it takes to win. That's kind of Paul's point here. The athlete who wins the race is that individual who most wants to win, who purposes to win, and who is willing to pay the price for winning. And that's what Paul's saying. Are you willing to pay the price? We know that there is talent and ability. You know, some people have more talent and ability. That comes into play in all this. Again, we're not to press the illustration too far. But what sets the winning top-tier athletes above the rest is that they are willing to train and to deny themselves whatever is necessary to win, right? If you've ever read any of the commentaries of the Olympic Games or things like that, you see that for four years, these people changed their life completely in order to be at the top of their game because they know if they don't, ability and natural talent alone will not do it in most cases, in most instances anyway. This self-control is not simply evident in the race nor are restricted only in the realms of athletics. In other words, the winning athlete disciplines every area of his life. Not just maybe his strengthening, for instance, but he knows that he can't sit and watch TV late into the night or go out and party all night. He needs his rest. He can't just eat whatever he wants. He knows what certain foods does to his body every aspect of the athlete's life is disciplined that he might win the prize and that's what Paul wants to impress upon us. As Christians we're no different except that what we're working for is much more important than an Olympic medal or a national championship in some sport. And it's amazing I think how little we think about that we make things so important that aren't. And so we have a goal, and that is to run well, to win the prize. Of course, one of the two main points Paul is making is that the trophy in these pursuits, uh, in, their, in their case, was just a pine wreath. It was just a, a laurel that would soon decay. It was the, the fame, the recognition, whatever it is, all those things. It's all passing. It's all transient. In the grand scheme, scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Much like the Grammys or the Oscars or, or anything else, as far as that. goes I mean, I don't watch that stuff anymore. I just can't stand it. You I mean, watch these guys get, I get this little trophy and like this is what I've worked for all my life, pinnacle of my life. something that What could be sadder? And they do the same thing when they get that uh, Super Bowl ring on their finger or they win the Masters, whatever you know. You know, and, and we, we understand the discipline it takes. We're not, I'm not belittling that, but at the end of the day, um, what have you done for Christ? And that every one of us, no matter how insignificant we might think we are in the church, in the kingdom of God, what we're doing matters infinitely more than whatever going on around you in the world, much like what we were talking about in Sunday school. So at least athletics here, as he talks about Paul uses uh, exercise and athletics sometimes in his illustrations, we know that they at least have some use uh, in, the Christian, in, in life for a Christian, you know, bodily exercise profit of some. That's certainly true. Anyone who's in shape uh, knows that any kind of uh, work, mental or physical, is easier we become more productive when we are physically healthy, as much as the Lord allows, when muscles are toned. So I'm certainly not saying those things aren't important to some degree. That, that's an area of discipline. Uh, that's a, it's an important area of discipline. We're not talking here just spiritually, just mentally, but there's a sense in which Christians need to remind ourselves that, you know, it matters what I eat. It matters if I'm sedentary, if I just sit around all day, uh, that it, I can do better, if I have some measure of physical activity. And if we all can't do the same thing, that's all well and good. But those things matter in our Christian life as well. i uh, just kind of throw that out in passing. So the first thing he says is that the Christian life is like a grace in that there is a goal and a prize for those that finish it's a little bit like running a marathon. Most people don't get in a marathon because they think they're going to win. They will follow all the way That's a different class of people who win But you get shirts that say, I was, I ran, to 26 point something the other mile. Whatever it is, but 26.2. And you know, that's an accomplishment. And that's kind of, I think, maybe a better understanding of what Paul is saying here is that it is, uh, it's not whether you actually come in first, but can you make it? Are you, are you running the right way? That, that's something, it's something to say, I ran a marathon. But it takes discipline. It, 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 it's not something you're just going to get up and decide one day to do. And so we also need to keep in mind that this doesn't mean that there are only one or a few special saints who are going to win. That's not what Paul is saying. As I said, everything we do can have eternal reward. Not so with an Oscar, not so with that football, with that Super Bowl ring. Those aren't eternal re- re- rewards. They are rewards that end at death, in, in in some cases really end as soon as the ceremony's over, none of it matters anymore. Then it's on to the next thing. Not so in the Christian life. We aren't competing with each other, but against obstacles that would keep us from running well, from doing a good job at what we're doing. Those that remaining sin, both physical and spiritual, that would distract us, the, the besetting sins, those things that keep us from loving Christ supremely. And the goal, I don't think, is salvation. I mean, there's a sense here in which we know that Paul does talk about examining ourselves to make sure that we're even in the race, um, you know, and all that. And I think that if you read this, it's not. I don't take this necessarily to mean Paul's point is that if you don't run well, you're not going to finish the race. Uh, but that's not really his point. The goal is not that, we, that if we do well, we'll be saved, because we know that salvation is all of grace, but that we're running in such a way that we're accomplishing what we set out to do as Christians. There's a lot of people I think who are saved who are going to go to heaven, but they're they're not they they're, they're doing so very weak way that really isn't accomplishing much. That they they, they they don't have any real name for Christ. They haven't they haven't tried to serve the Lord well. And I, I think there are certainly Christians like that. I don't want to be one of them. And I think that's Paul's point. Not that you're, you're gonna lose your salvation and not make it to heaven, but do you want to rejoice and you get to heaven that you have served the Lord and that he he says, Well done thou good and faithful servant So we're not competing against other runners. The goal is to finish and to finish well. To do it right. We said some people in a race, not because they have any intention of finishing, but they just want to wear the t-shirt. You see that. You see, me wearing a t-shirt. Well, I ran in Boston Marathon. Well, they we might not have finished. But it is, it is something to run to in those races. But, you know, and I understand why maybe you want to get a t-shirt. That's all well and good. But it doesn't work well in Christianity think Christians could fall into that trap. They really could care less about what the Bible says about how to run. They just want to be in the race. They just, want the, they just want the pride. They want eternal life. But they're not interested in what Paul's saying here to run well, to do what it takes, to deny myself to do what it takes, to glorify the Lord on my journey. They seem to care less of what the Bible says about how they live. They just want to be in the race. You say, well, how do you know that? Because they don't care anything about the Bible. They don't go to church. Or if they do, they go to a church that entertains them but doesn't teach the Bible. Uh, they don't care what the Bible says. There's a lot of pastors, preachers out there who don't care what the Bible says because they don't preach it. Of course, then you have no idea of how many are actually saved, but I, I think there's real Christians who get caught up in this. They want to obtain the goal which is not to them to be faithful to the Lord, but to live forever. You see, that's, that's the wrong goal. I want to live forever. I want to live forever with Christ. But I understand that there's other things going on here than just me going to heaven. That, it really is very self-centered. They have no idea that the Christian life is a marathon. It's a war that takes training. They, they think it's just a way to escape hell. And I was raised in a lot of that kind of stuff. So I'm not not just, you know, it's not theoretical. So they don't read the Bible much. But I I don't think Paul is speaking here of making it to heaven so much as honoring the Lord by living in a way that he wants us to. But clearly Paul seems to suggest that it's possible to lose. And so we don't want to deny that as well, to ignore that as well. You know, Paul talks about I don't want to be disqualified. The KGB say, "I want to be." A, I don't want to be a castaway. You know, I don't think we have to necessarily take that all to mean that I be disqualified as a Christian for to, that my faith is, is cast or off. You know, although I think there's application. There. But Paul wants to run well. He doesn't want to just go to heaven. He wants to take some people with him. You know, and that's I think a worthy goal but can we say that we are living as Christians or as Christ-lovers, or really that, well, I'm a Christian, I'm just not very much a one. Well, if you actually think that, then that's a sin if you're not doing something about it. So, the third thing here says here is it takes discipline. It's, it's going to mean you get to change your lifestyle to keep that, you know, that uh, athletic, Illustration. See this verse 25. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things, it, it, which is what Paul's point has been. Everything is thought through. He doesn't live haphazardly. An athlete would not do that if he expects to win. So his next point is he makes. He makes here is that. If no easy task and just like in athletics you have to give up a lot of things in order to reach your goal so we begin to see how this applies to uh, the overall point of chapters 8 through 9 and me being willing when I realize that something I've said or done or, or could say or do you know, that I've got to be careful about how I live around people and what I say to people I can't just walk through life saying whatever's on my mind and you got people who seem to glory of that. Well, I just say it, tell it like it is. I'm all for honesty, if we're saying what needs to be said, but, uh, usually that means I don't care about anybody else, or how they take it, or what it does, what kind of damage I do. I just speak my mind as if your mind is all that important to start with, right? In other words, stop and think, is this helpful? That's discipline right? That's not living doing whatever i you know, I see a piece of food I want, I'm going to eat it, I don't care what it does to my body. No, I'm I'm stopping, I'm going to think about what I'm saying here, what I'm putting into myself, whatever it is. So if you're not willing to give up some things for the sake of Christ and for the sake of those that you're running with, you're not going to receive the prize. You certainly aren't going to minister to the saints because you think it all about yourself. So I think this is a better way to read it than just that Paul's saying here you just won't get to heaven. That's really, I don't think, the overall point. He doesn't just use the idea of a race, but athletics. You kind of see here that it's not so much about the race but about the discipline. He isn't saying that Christian life is a race that you might or might not finish, but an event in which you might achieve an eternal goal or you might not. You might run you might run it, but you're not running it well. You know, it's kind of figure like, skate If you ever watched any of that, you know, some of, some of them they just aren't that good, and they they can do the jokes. but they just do maybe a, a one spin as opposed to maybe a double or a triple, right? And they fall down a lot, and it's it's painful to watch. You feel bad for them, right? Because they're just not that good. Now they're way better than I am. You don't want to see me on skates, but they're not that good. And that's given as Christians. But then then it's not funny anymore. Because now you see Christians who just don't seem to be able to handle anything. They can't handle disappointment. They can't handle loss. They can't seem to handle relationships. They just don't do well. They can't seem to speak to people about the Lord. I'm too shy. I can't do anything for the Lord.
1: And now all of a sudden it's not
0: funny anymore when you see a weak Christian. And, and there are weak Christians, and and, and and we want to help them, and we don't want to be them. Hopefully, we want to grow, we want to mature, we're helping each other grow. So, but again, so it's not about being judging or, you know, and all that, but about, I don't want to be the one who can't seem to make the triple actual. I want to be able to do that too, if the Lord enables me to. So there's a goal. There's a reason to deny yourself. So in verse 26, a Christian is not to live for improper goals or with no goal in mind. To live for Christ in his body and not just for yourself is going to bring about a lot of problems and conflicts and things that uh, you wouldn't ordinarily have to go through. That's part of the Christian life. At the same time, life itself that's common to everybody is going to bring its own set of problems. And, and, and it'll be even more difficult if you don't have a strong faith. And so a Christian just can't go through life uh, and make life all about how much money can I make. I'm not against careers as such, but if, if, if your life is controlled completely by your career, that's all that matters, you're, you're, you're going to struggle here. Because at the end of the day, I've got to do whatever is best for serving the Lord. We can't can't just walk walk through life doing whatever pleases us, whatever brings me pleasure or satisfaction. We can't go through life refusing to do the things that are difficult. We can't go through life only worried about whatever helps my finances. Those things aren't unimportant. But that can, you've got to discipline yourself. Now if you can now, if if having it easy is your goal, then you can. That that is how you're going to go through life. But we're speaking to those whose goal is Christ and to honor Him, not the ease. And so I would just stop there for a moment to remind our parents, and, and you children, because you're old enough to hear what I'm saying and think about it too. Raise your children to be challenged, not to take the easy road. Don't say you want your child to learn this instrument or to uh, sing this song or whatever. And they say, well, oh, I don't want to do that. And you say, well, okay. you know, what, what would you like to do? Well, I'll play video games. Oh, no, wait. You're the parent. Make them do things. Teach them to get used to doing things that you don't necessarily want to do. My parents, I remember my parents had my, my sister and I singing up in front of the church at like three and four years old. You know, they didn't ask them, Well, you want to do it. And I don't remember ever arguing about it. But in other words, they challenge us to do things. To not just sit around, not just play around. You're here to serve people. You're here to do things. So that when you get older, well, I have been in difficult situations. I have stood in front of people and sung. And that's more, to me more difficult than, than preaching or speaking. But, you know, I've done it. And, and you see the people, and you you say, well, let's do this. and, you know, and you, 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 I blame their parents sometimes because have you not ever challenged your child to do things that are difficult, that aren't easy? We're, we're just not here to always do the easy thing, especially as Christians. So he says here, to live selfishly is like shadow boxing. It's not accomplishing it? anything. It's a song that we sing sometimes, you know, only what's done for Christ will last. And it's certainly true. Life isn't just about working up a sweat, but it's about actually accomplishing something. And so in a sense, the lost aren't really living, because they're going through the motions of living, but at the end they're going to be left with nothing. They might write some nice poetry, they might build a city, as I said, but whatever they do, but at best, God will use it for His people, but they're leaving it all behind. It's not accomplishing anything for them outside of this life. And Paul is saying that for a Christian, it's also possible to live much like this and not really accomplish anything for Christ. Or at least let's be more, more realistic. We're not really accomplishing what we could for Christ. What we've been saved to do because we don't like to be challenged. We don't like to discipline ourselves. We don't like to tell ourselves no, whatever. And so it's not just about running, but of running properly. So let me try to bring all this together. I I hope I've made some practical points here, but I believe his point then is running properly is not just enduring to the end and hoping to make it to heaven. Now, if we endure to the end in a biblical way, that means we will be watching over our souls. Do I see evidence of my salvation? That's a good thing. But it's not just about making sure that we go to heaven. There's a few other verses here, I think, that bring some of this out. Second Timothy two verse three: suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. So this is just this is just part of being a Christian. Paul says it, and, and I don't know if he's being nonchalant as such, but he's just saying this is just. He doesn't say, "No, I've got this huge point uh, I'm going to make. Everybody, pay attention. You're you're not going to believe what I'm about to say." No, this this is just what you've been saying to do. Suffer every suffer hardship with me. as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier is an act of service to take up himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Well, that's exactly what he's been saying, right? And also, if anyone competes with an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. And I think that again helps us understand what he's saying in First Corinthians. Paul knows you can't lose your salvation but it is possible to not be much of a Christian if I can put it that way you know it might, it might be a better way of putting it you know, a weak Christian and, and not just being a weak Christian but you're going to suffer for being a weak Christian you're, you're, you're not going to have this inner strength you need you're not going to have the, uh, the ability to do well in life if you're weak at least to some degree now here Peter adds that presumption leads to barely making it or, or not getting much reward in some way, but the constant vigilance of wanting to be effective to have a fruitful life is what we mean. Notice what he says here, I think it's along the same lines. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being what? Ineffective. You're running the race, but you're not doing very well at it. You're 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 jumping, you're doing your uh, absolute actual you uh, only get about halfway around and you can fall completely on your face. It's it, 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 it ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is also nearsighted, is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Again, bring in the fact that when we aren't taking sin and those things that the Son of the Lord seriously, we're forgetting why God saved us. Yeah, that's a, that's a serious sin. It's a serious thing that we need to be very careful about. Perhaps we tend to emphasize our security in, of salvation so much that we fail to emphasize the other part of the being saved, which is fruitfulness. And of course, the danger of overemphasizing security is presumption. And here their smug attitude is causing this church to be composed of those who are weak, this Corinthian church is a weak church. We're seeing some of the reasons for that. They're not running well, and they're in danger of some not even being in the race. And Paul, at least, is saying, I'm not going to live that way. One reason why is he doesn't want to live like that, uh, because it might mean he's not headed there at all. It's a no goal, or the wrong goal is, I'll say, box. You're not accomplishing anything. You're not defeating any enemy, and we have to be careful of just living to the to get to the end. But also, we need to be careful of trying to enjoy all that life has to offer. Let me say that again. We have to be careful of just living to get to the end. We got to be careful here that we don't just, as a Christian, all we really care about is getting to heaven. And we got to be careful that we don't just live as if. Uh, my purpose of living is to join everything that's in life, even the good things. I'm grabbing the tiger by the tail. I'm wanting to experience everything just because it's fun, or you're curious, or just because you can. If it's going to distract you from serving the Lord in it, then that's just living as the world lives. It sounds innocent enough, but there's no worthy goal. You're not running well, and these are things that Christians have to. So Paul's solution is to exercise self-control and discipline. And the word here in verse 25 is where we get the word agonize. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. It's the idea of agonizing. This is things that you agonize over. It's not easy stuff. Literally, in verse 27, um, when he says, I discipline my body, it's, it's literally meaning I give myself a black eye. I do what it takes. I'm willing to go through whatever it takes to be thankful to the Lord. This point isn't just the idea of eating only bread and water or poverty or taking cold showers. Please don't read this of thinking that what being a Christian is, is just denying yourself anything that is pleasurable and being as miserable as you can. That's not what we're talking about here. We're saying that we're willing to give up whatever we need to do Whether it be our pride, I'm afraid to say anything in front of anybody or whatever, I'm willing to do whatever I have to do in order to do well. Again, that that is, to me, that's shadow boxing. To think that, well, what Paul is saying here is that we just gotta be miserable to our bodies is not accomplishing anything. He is saying, I will control my body. It will not control me. And so we must have a goal, a burning love for Christ, if any of this is going to be possible. Because Again, if that athlete doesn't want that, that Olympic gold medal, uh, he's not about to do any of the stuff that he's got to do, right? There's a history of people taking this to mean that I must hurt myself or live as uncomfortably as I can, but that's not what Paul is saying here. It is the willingness to do whatever it takes in order to obey the Lord and to glorify His name in the world. I think about those who sat on poles back in the early centuries of, of, of the church that sat on poles for years. Self-denial. Look at all that have given up to Christ. But it's not serving any purpose. Yes, you've given it up, but in, in doing so, you have made people your slave because they've got to take care of you you have demonstrated to everybody that serving the Lord really isn't all that wonderful. It's miserable. I mean, sitting on a pole for 30 years? How how does that attract anybody to Christ? It just seems to make it seem like it's the only way that God God wants you to be miserable. And that's not what Paul is saying here at all. If you think about we're almost done here, Romans six: thirteen Do not present your bodies to sin as instruments from righteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from life, death to life, and your members God and to God as your body as instruments of righteousness. for sin will not have dominion will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. We are servants of the Lord, and our flesh wants no part of it. It wants ease. It doesn't want anyone to tell it no. But verse 14 here says that it isn't just about following the rules, but obeying the one that you love more than like yourself. We're not under law. It's not about what I must and must not do. It is what I get to do to serve the Lord. Because I love Him. And that's the problem. A true Christian's heart loves the Lord. And when you see people who don't seem to have any use for the Lord, or His word, what that tells us is that his heart has not been changed. Or there's a problem there, for sure. So it's not about what we must do, but what we get to do. The only way to combat sin is to love the Lord, not by law. Because God is too wonderful to obey what begrudging. You. If your heart isn't in it, then it's not acceptable obedience to the Lord to start with. Because we were created to sit on poles. But to enjoy life to the glory of Christ. Paul can give up legitimate support in this case, because that's been his big illustration, because other things matter more to him. There is no shortcut here, no easy way to holiness. And all of this I think is the essence of holiness. It is like the T V ads with its gizmos that will give you, you know, it says it will give you new new ads in a couple of weeks. And you spend all this money on it. And then you realize that all it's really getting you to do is set up. you could have done by yourself already, right? It is offering, but doesn't give anything. Be careful of those who have the keys to successful Christian living. Only the gospel produces holiness, because it's what causes you to serve the Lord and to do so properly. Following rules alone won't cut it. And it's not nearly as difficult as... Really giving off for Christ. It's easy to obey rules. It's not easy to say, you know what, I'm going to forego this in the Bible of Christ. We all know how difficult that is. And so there is the application right there. It's going to take discipline and it won't be easy but the reward will be worth it because we will see Christ. We will see the face of God. We struggle because all this matters. We can put someone else first even when our flesh is screaming to put yourself first because the love of God constrains us all. That's discipline. That's, that's, uh, you know, that's exercising self-control. Like I said, you you ever had the urge to say that, uh, whatever needs to be said in your mind anyway, uh, I have the perfect comeback. You know, I'm not going to hold back well, that's just that's someone who has no discipline. And, and some, sometimes things do need to be said, but but uh, it's to stop first and think, how is this going to affect the cause of Christ? Or do we just immediately give up as soon as we want? As soon as we start breathing hard and say, well, that's too hard. I'm not going to do that. First, my pride is hurt. That's it. i am giving up. No. If, if all the motivation we need is that we want to please our Lord. And so if the crown means enough to us, it will affect everything we do. And I say this in closing. Let's be careful of working our fingers to the bone and yet have nothing in the end because we've been working for the wrong things and we've been working for the wrong way. Colossians two twenty three. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom. He's talking about, of course, man made religions and perversions of Christianity. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism that's sitting on a pole in severity of the body, but there is no value in stopping indulgence of the flesh. You know, it's not sitting on a pole, is it, is it, uh, developing a heart that loves the Lord? Chapter 3 verse 5, put to death therefore, and this is what it should be doing, everything what is earthly in you? See, holiness begins in the heart. Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Paul doesn't just say, don't practice uh, sexual immorality. That's a given. Put to death those things in you. Understand. Think it through. What, this, what will this do to me? What will this do to my family? What will this do to Christ? And I'll have no part of it. What will it do to the person that I want to engage in this stuff with? You see, if you don't think about that if you don't think about that first. If you've got no hope, so get what he's saying here. Stopping the flesh from doing something bad alone doesn't make you holy. This isn't just about the severity of to the flesh, but when it has no value of addressing the soul. A Christianity, listen to this, a Christianity that addresses the outward man, but not the inward heart, and mind, and motivation, and love, isn't real Christianity. It's a form of Christianity. It's a self-made religion. We say it again. A Christianity that addresses the outward man, but not the inward man. The mind, the motivation, and love isn't real Christianity. It's a form of religion. And there's a lot of religions out there that practice self-control. Outward self-control. If we don't put that to death inside of our, in our hearts. We'll never do it in our bodies. So Christianity is not just about how we begin the race. It's not just about how we end the race. It's how we run the race and everything in between. These you are know, things that uh, all knows we need. I will right, we'll stop there today. Any questions or comments?